relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. God, I love that song. That song's so good. It is good. It was, uh, it never gets old. We're getting, mm-hmm. getting down to the nitty gritty. This is a good episode. This was a very Humboldt episode, if that makes sense. Like, I oh, felt yeah. like, uh, I mean, her name is Sunshine. Let's just be honest. That's a great Humboldt name. Uh, her, she had that cool, where we did the interview was in such a cool little, like, a, what would you call it? Like a terrarium? Was it a sunroom? Yeah, so that was like, it was like a back porch sunroom. And like, you know, when you say that, it'll evoke ideas of your grandmom having like a nice little sun porch with a few random but plants it, here and there. But like this, it was just like, here's a shit ton of cannabis moms that I'm saving the genetics from. And, you know, everything's turquoise to beautiful colors. We're going to post videos of it. So you guys get to, you know, be in the vibe of it all, but it for sure had a humble take on the whole thing. And then there's down the road is a one lane bridge that most of the time is covered when the river's up to get to another part. That's just a town that we didn't get to go to that, you know, I guess when the river's up, you just you just stay home. You just, that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> and then so it's close to the river. And then just the way she farms was totally different than anyone we talked to, which also cracked me up. She was just she was a very unique human being from the jump. Uh, really cool vibe. So like the hang was really fun, but also like very unique. And then even like I said, you'll, you guys will hear it. Like the way she grows is different. Um, her mother and the way she grew up is, it's pretty, it's, it's a neat story is what it is. And like a lot of Humboldt people, you leave with more questions than you have answers. <laughs> her mom was a straight up you know, warrior fighting for stuff. And she just, you can see how that blossomed her into the person she was and the way it's that she cool. grows very different than anything i had ever heard of and i'm a weed nerd i was just like you say what you do what with cannabis that's crazy it was it was yeah it was one of those where like man humble just when you think you're like i got this place kind of figured out you know even the i got even the weird rhythm figured out and then you're like nope no clue and you every time you turn around just like well this is one of the most interesting, unique people I've ever met. So, uh, do the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Sunshine from Sunbolt Grown.
changed about her activism once she moved up here well she continued it we yeah. had the she she did a little bit continued a little bit further with her anti-nuclear work but then also i'm 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 remembering it's coming back to me now <laughs> i was just a young child at the time but the sinkian wilderness which is now a state park and that's out in Mendocino on the coast. And Georgia Pacific was going in there and cutting, logging, and cutting this amazing old growth right on the coast. That was, like, really meant to be a park. It was next to the Sinkion Wilderness already. We just needed to add on these other groves. And we met other activists working on that, too. My mom became a part of the Sinkion Council. And they effectively saved these groves that now are in the state park. And with that, she also, she also started working at that time a little bit with Native American activists. And she also, um, I'm trying to remember here, it was, um, yeah. So, anyway, so this, that brought in uh, spirituality in, into the activism uh -huh. with Native American leaders. Yeah. And we worked a little bit within government to protect these trees. That's, I mean, that's a community aspect of, I think that's probably what, the old growth Mike was explaining, and to our listeners that don't understand the old growth, old growth is like thousands upon thousands of years. You can't replace it. You can't. And it's it's truly unique, special uh, thing. Uh, it's a forest and growth that needs to be studied for our, the betterment of mankind. And just the planet in general. Yeah. Just trying to keep keep the balance of nature at work and it's just pure greed was, is the only reason I mean, you would cut those down well i think that's kind of like that's yeah yeah it just goes back yeah so yeah so because i was raised by activists right now i was ended up so then from from the sinkio and wilderness that got protected and it was like it must have only i could have been within a week it could have been within a few days i don't even know yeah but um, one of the activists showed up with a hat that said, Max Sam sucks. And we were like, and he had a very glum look on his face. He was like, oh, and we were like, whoa, dude, what's going on? And he was like, and then it went right into headwaters, the headwaters forest activism. And it went into that, that was work that we did with, um, Epic. My huh. mom was a part of that. Um, and you were too, I assume? Yeah, the Environmental <laughs> Protection Information Center, which at the time was located in Garberville. Uh-huh. And, no, I was like, I would babysit some of the other kids. I would, um, yeah, so no, I would I, take care of water my mom's crop while she was saving uh, trees. And, and these, <laughs> and, yeah. 
And they were living in... This is the, the people that were living in trees to save them. This is part of that. Yeah, Mike Rosell came probably... He was probably in the late 80s. He came from Earth First. Yeah. So Earth First, I want to say we also met them while we were doing the Syncium. And then Mike Rosell came and, and we did a little tree thing up in the Whitmore Grove down in Redway. Okay. And he introduced us to tree climbing. And then from there, it just like became a big part of the movement was um, tree sitting. Yeah. So can you explain for our listeners what tree sitting is? Well, a tree sit, the reason why a tree sits done is because if there's someone up in a tree, they can't cut. So a group of people, they would trespass yeah. and they would build a fairly elaborate, you know, you got you to have a platform up there and they would stay up there. And then they'd have a support crew that would come out in the dark of the night and bring them supplies and things like that. So it was, was guerrilla style. And <laughs> Man, the comedian in me loves this so much. Uh, what... <laughs> Also, I've worked landscaping, like, tree stuff, so I know those type of dudes, too, and I'm sure they were just like, oh, and I'm sure they also got a kick out of it on some level. I'm sure the bosses and the people that own the lumber company, you drove them insane. They got, yeah, it got, actually got violent. Oh, uh, well, I was going to ask. I assumed it did, but, the, like, the, like, the actual lumberjacks... The dudes I know would be like, this is kind of funny. Because <laughs> it's not there. There's a, we'll just go cut a nut, whatever. <laughs> so it's like who you're fucking with is the big money people, and that's the best. I think that's the best part about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but the problem is is that there was a division between the workers, and the workers, you know, it wasn't that far. It wasn't really that big of a step to realize we were on the same team. Yeah. And, and we had... Um, Judy Berry, and she was down in Mendocino, and she was with Georgia Pacific there, and she started doing exactly that. She started uniting workers and environmentalists, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's the same thing. Well, uh, the FBI Talent Pro Program. COINTELPRO, yeah. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. They, they, they directly got involved in this forest activism. They probably had an informant here and there. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's kind of, it, it's a story. It's out there. But the FBI bombed her vehicle and then blamed her for, for it and said it was her own bomb. And she took them to court, and they won. Her and Daryl Cherney. What was the, what was the Federal Bureau, is it, I don't understand what, who they're protecting here. Well, first off, I don't really think that Tell and Pro program is still in existence. I think this is one of their last things they did. Well, sure, until they named it something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So, if how I understand that, they were dork. <laughs> probably. I don't know what they thought they were protecting on. Well, part of it, I mean, from our perspective, is that you, it's like it's like what Martin Luther King was doing. He was uniting everyone behind the Vietnam War, yes. and especially around poverty. Yes, and they don't, well, yeah. And, and that's what she was doing. She was uniting these two groups that there was a division between. And she worked for Georgia Pacific. No, 
Oh. She was she was an activist. Okay. And she feared for her life on on several occasions, not just that bombing that happened. Even before that, someone tried to run her down. You know, she had a couple of uh, young daughters, and it was like um, it was a scary time. Yeah. Yeah. And this is up at, up in Garberville in Southern Humboldt. This has all happened. This no, uh, this is um in Mendo, Mendocino. Mendocino. Same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, where that imaginary line exists between this ecosystem that doesn't care about that line. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Southern Humboldt and Northern Humboldt are the same. Yes. So then what were you, uh, like, were you up in the trees? Were you doing support? Like, how how involved were you in in all of that? Could well, you incriminate I yourself? Care, I was taking care of the farm. So your mom was off doing all this, and you were taking care of the farm. Yeah. And so running. When I'm like a teenager, I'm like 14. <laughs> and that, you know, it's not even a farm. It's just a gorilla grow out in the brush. You're crawling around your hands and knees. And... <laughs> that's, I mean, at 14, that's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, at 40, it sounds pretty fun. <laughs> so then she left you in charge of, uh, you know, basically keeping the family farm going. That must have been so exciting. Like, was that like, yeah, mom, I got this. I got it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> no, and you guys weren't turning a huge profit on a gorilla grow. No, I mean, point. you could grow, you know, 20 to 30 pounds and dry it in your living room. Yeah. When you're good to go. You really didn't have to grow much. You could grow 10 pounds and then just dry it in your living room. And then you could survive on that yep. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was a good, that's almost like farming. You grow something during the summer and then you live off of it for the year. Well, <laughs> if you're, and if you're a smart farmer... You are growing several different things and then farming different things because you don't know when shit's going to fuck up. Or I, I just know from from growing up with my grandpa, it was like he had this thing going on over here and then you got this thing going on because it all is up and well, down Well, I mean, all that's how it is now. Now we're, we're farmers. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah. But back then, no, every day you lived with fear of your crop not being there that morning when you woke up or that day or you didn't know yeah so yeah it so you're 14 looking for helicopters while your mom is fighting the fbi over trees yeah and all you guys want to do is just grow stuff and protect the land yeah what fascinating how confusing was that to grow up with where you're like i don't why do they hate the Good things that we're doing. Yeah, that's got to be such a mindfuck to grow up with. What do you mean? I'm kind of curious. I I, I think it's obviously not because of how she grew up, and that is beautiful. I think the mindfuck is, to me, learning what I learned and how, from my perspective, and like, hey, we're protecting, these people are bad, and you hear this, and then as you get older, it's like when you smoke weed. It's, It's a perfect metaphor for the the war on drugs. It's because they lie to you about all this stuff and what it is. And it's what it, them saying cannabis is a gateway drug is because they lie about what cannabis is. It's not a gateway drug. The only reason it's a gateway drug, maybe, is because they lie to you. And, and then you smoke it, and you're like, this is awesome. And the next day you feel fine, and you're like, what the fuck else are they lying about? And then you go try cocaine. <laughs> 
two days later, <laughs> and you're like, oh, they're telling the truth about this one. This one's bad. No one should have this much confidence ever. But that's mm-hmm. part, and but them going after that's part of that whole lie is then they have to go after people that, who are just being like, these trees are important to the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because we were doing activism and growing for a cause, it did feel personal. Yeah. It did feel like a personal assault. Because it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Because you were showing through your happy lifestyle that what they were saying and selling was bullshit. Is a lot of it. And mm-hmm. then they personally had to go after you because you were proving them wrong with yeah. your with your whole existence. Or they maybe didn't even really prove it because... They, you know, people's identities are not just going to change overnight. Nope. So it becomes a personal attack on their identity and their righteousness. Well, their lifestyle. Yeah. And their own happiness. And that's, their power. I think that's what their I'm power. saying. And that's what I'm saying, too, is they, they because of the, your happiness and the way your community existed, they, it was an attack on their business. Which is well, I mean, there there was a couple of. I mean that as a huge compliment to you. <laughs> yeah, if you're not yeah. taking that correctly, that is a huge like, just your happiness fucked them up, and their whole sales point and this whole capitalistic game and society, big business, you and your this community, and what was coming out of this community. In cannabis and this the activism that cannabis was also funding and creating, it it fucked them up, and well, it's it, still fucking them. It, it's fucking capitalism up today because we were talking about this. Big cannabis doesn't work. The plant won't have it. People can't grow it at a large scale like that because the quality goes down. It's like it's Canada. You're killing my dream. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. We're talking it. about thousands of school- I'm just- <laughs> acres. Yeah. I'm not. Your dream. Your your dream. You are living your dream. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, the way how I see it too is like a couple of things happened back then. One, they were power tripping. Yes. They were power tripping because because of the way how the laws are written, they had power over all these. Dope sm- all these weed smokers across the country in every community everywhere. Black people. People aren't going to like let go of their power. They don't really want to lose their power. And the second thing was that in the early 80s, before camp, we hit a little bit of a heyday. And during that heyday, there was some murders and there was some violence that did bring attention to our area. Ah. And that, I'm not going to deny that that you played, could have very well played a role in it. Oh. Well, it gave them an opportunity to come in. Yeah. What, like, so right before then, there was a few murders? Like, what what happened? There were murders out in Groves. One of them was a a woman up in Salmon Creek. That one was, like, in Life magazine. And there was, I believe, a couple more. And just sometimes stuff happens in life, you know? Like, I mean, the thing that always kind of thing that always kind of shocks me is like sometimes murders happen like the same thing in a city or anywhere else but the second that they have that as an excuse 
to connect it to cannabis, they're like, oh, you see, you know, that's why we have to keep it illegal. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were people in, there were people that murder each other over parking spaces. <laughs> exactly. Well, they don't I mean, make that. They don't be like, see, parking. The <laughs> murders that, that, that did can have happened and do could have continued to happen were often over very small amounts very small amounts and that's pounds. not the that and that's not what the murders over if it's a it's small amount that's some other human mm, yeah bullshit going on with it's it. like the murder mountain so i'm so preachy though. i don't know why i'm just so <laughs> happy to be here and i'm defending the shit it's like murder mountain and i have some friends that helped in the hollywood make that you know they did some producing and stuff on that but that's how they make their money so i'm not mad at them but i did get after them and i was like you guys fuck that story up bad. <laughs> well what did they do wrong i mean i actually because they, they wanna, sensationalized a few things they sensationalized <clears throat> Which and they made this thing that it was to me. They they tried to make hillbilly bullshit specific to Humboldt County. Well, let me tell and you, that's my... what that story was. And when I watched it, I was like, I can tell you nine stories of the Appalachian Mountains with from my home county where it's the same kind of bullshit <laughs> same kind of murder okay. stupid and they're they're mad at each other because they can't express real emotions and th- that's what it is it's backwoods justice and i was like that's not specific to humboldt county you got that wrong yeah yeah i mean my version of it is like what i like about it is that they went to one of the most disenfranchised communities of Alder Point, right? They're on the east side. So I grew up on the west side. And yes, we discriminated and talked down to people from Alder Point. Yeah. When Murder Mountain came out, I was like, I felt more connected <laughs> to the hillbillies mm-hmm. in there than I did with like all the new weed people coming in. Yes. And the other part that I liked, I mean, I found it to be, to speak to me quite quite well, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. On, on a lot of levels. a lot. And one of the things about it was like, it came right down to the women. The women got together while the yeah, men were did. drinking. Yeah, they did. And the women said, you know what? Something wrong happened. Something needs to be fixed. And they, they went to the men and they go, you guys, you got to deal with this. You take care of this problem. And I was like, right That's on. That's community. I was like, <laughs> it, there was community in there, 100%. That is community. And then you see this, I'm not going to mention his name, but you probably remember him. You saw the exploitation of a worker go down. And you saw an owner talk down to his worker, abuse the worker. And that's another part that I was like, kind of like, yeah, let's, you show that. You show that. That's what's going on. And like, anyway, it spoke to me on a lot of levels. And I, in the end, I really appreciated it in a lot of ways. Well, those things are true. And, you know, it is a part of the cannabis industry, especially. Like, I don't think... I have a very specific memory of uh, first getting into this industry and some, because of it not being legal, the way that owners and workers dynamics were, that is completely not fair. And sometimes people would work the entire summer and then at the end of it, they're like, actually, yeah, I'm not going to pay you what I said. And that's what Murder Mountain was about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was an important story to kind of, tell in, in, in a sense so they went to like one of the well they didn't fully tell they left it up to oh, and they, oh, 
Anyway, yeah. Well, the sheriff. Some of, some of that they left up. What to about the, the sheriff? Well, some of the way I think, and I'm coming in as someone, an outsider, the way I viewed this, and I think you should definitely uh, feel that community because they did get that part right of like the women being like, like I related like that part. Just I think the hillbilly in me was like. Oh, that reminds me of this aunt I have. They, she would do something like that. And yeah. She, that's how. That's who actually controls shit is these women, and they make the men do stuff. That's how that shit operates. And I can talk, to, and we can go as far as like, hey, Republican senators, uh, their wives run shit, by the way. That's how that operates, okay? If y'all just want to know the truth, uh, it's all the women who are running shit. Barbara Bush, Laura Bush. <laughs> Fuck off, you guys. That's who's in charge. Um, anyway, just a side note. <laughs> but as an outsider, they don't make it clear that dude was abusing his workers. They that was the part that bothered me mm. because it's not clear. It's clear to you what he's doing. Okay. It's not clear to people that are un. Uh, uh, Outsiders. Outsiders to the cannabis industry and how this operates. It bothered me watching. I was like, what he's doing is shitty, and they're not making it clear that what he's doing is shitty. Because I knew people that knew him and knew some of those dudes, so I texted them. They're like, oh, yeah, that dude, he's he shorted them a lot of money and then made it seem like they didn't do what they were supposed to do. The, the owner, the farm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. not this, clear yeah. that's what he did. Yeah, this is a real common. This is very, very yeah. common story. Yes. I think that's part of why I'm like, hey, some of the way, and I got after a couple of my friends that worked on it, I was like, some of the way y'all present that is real shitty and unclear. But they didn't know. Because mm. they can't, and then I think because they misrepresented some stuff, you guys closed, closed ranks, which I also understand. Because you, a lot of Southern Humboldt has been misrepresented through the years. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an, um, yes, that's an important part of it. And so, uh, yeah, I would, I mean, there's the, uh, you know, the, the greed in Humboldt County is, you know, it's, it's also a big part of it. Escalated. Well, well, you said that it did switch when camp came in. What was kind of the vibe here at through your eyes? What did you see this area start to transition to or some elements in it start to transition to a little bit more? Yeah, what, well, what happened is, like, people were growing these huge, huge plants in their front yard before camp. Huge plants. <laughs> Just, and giants. That's awesome. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, it was great. And then camp came and we had to go in the shade. So as a community, we would talk to each other about best methods for hiding. And we collectively shared a lot of information on how to hide. Yeah. And we had some of the strains come in. But anyway, so we got driven more and more and more and more into the shade. And we were literally, we, the, <laughs> you're going to laugh when I tell you this. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. When I was growing back then, no spider mites. No powdery mildew. It was all from seed. Now, granted, we were growing like two-ounce plants in the shade under the brush, <laughs> but whatever, okay? <laughs> That's still dope, though. It is still cool. It was great. Okay, and then 
this, the, it got so intense that this is what brought on indoor. So the prohibition was so intense and the repression was so intense that indoor started to happen off-grid with diesel generators. And maybe it's a, I don't know exactly know, but hmm, that's when powdery mildew and mites came into the picture. <laughs> and we'll definitely I'm have not saying that did that, <laughs> but I'm saying that's when that happened. Well, having to grow something in an artificial environment uh, without the natural balances well, of, then, you know, the this nature. Does an indoor grower listen to him? You know, nature, like, you know. Hey. It, well, it, <laughs> well, it, it is did. true. Right, right, it's very that, true. But it's, it also had a very much cultural part on us because when the indoor started, like back in the day, because everyone's farm was like, or your grow, it was hit, it was like down some hillside somewhere. You could tell someone you're uh, in your community. It was, oh, yeah, I have a grow. Oh, yeah, I've got my grow. Oh, yeah, I've got, you know, a patch over here, whatever it was, or, you know. And, but when people started growing indoor, people stopped telling each other that they had an indoor. And ah. so there became this a little bit of deceit and a little bit of more lying amongst friends with the indoor. And so that culture, that was another part of the culture that was a little bit like, okay, this is not a good shift. I liked it better when we had a patch and you could talk about yeah, it because no yeah. one knew where it was. Ah. But with indoor, now it's like, you know. I can't tell you what it's at my house. Yeah, it's at your house, or it's like, you know, something like that. And so, and then from there, it just. Anyway, and because it was indoor is so extractive and it's so resource intensive and, and all the gas and generators, and then it's just, you know, it, it changed the vibe changed the vibe and then the diesel growers started happening and they got pretty big out in the hills and there's like a lot of issues and environmental hazards around that yeah then there was a whole campaign with sun growers diesel dope growers they called them and like you know <laughs> it kind of you know there's like this the community started getting divided that in in those terms oh who's growing the way you were growing yeah and this is this is like after prop 215 so when Prop 215 came in, people started putting their plants in the sun, and then it was like, well, you diesel dope growers, it's not cool, and you'd be going in the sun. And then that became, that was where the friction started happening. Yeah, that was part of it. And, and the, you know, if you're living out in the hills and you're listening to a generator, you start to get a little annoyed, and then you start, the fumes start coming down the ravine, and start coming through your window, and you're just, you know, it's just annoying. Yeah. Diesel generators aren't fun to sit next to for... A month at a time. <laughs> I had to do that one so, time, and it was just like, this is like, it's like, it's audio torture to the ears. It's yeah. horrendously bad. Mm -hmm. Was it a different type of human? Like a different lifestyle coming in? Was that part of it, too? Yeah, I mean, you attract, well, I mean, the, the real change happened with 215. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. When Proposition 215 happened, there's a, there's a real difference between growers who grew before Prop 215 and those who came after. So what Prop 215 did is it brought in a lot of what I would call weed refugees. They came from all over the country. Uh -huh. And they were like, there's medical marijuana. I can grow it and be stoned out of my head all day. I need that. I need that medicine. I'm getting busted for having like you know, a, a seed or whatever it is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can go to jail for like... My freedom's gone if... The, yeah. 
yeah, if yeah. They catch and, me with my medicine. And they're chronic yeah. smokers. They're coming to Humboldt, or they're coming to California, or whatever, and they come to Humboldt, right? Now, because we were a community of growers, you could come here with no growing experience and learn how to grow. Yeah. You couldn't really do that anywhere else in the state except for here. And we had the reputation. Yeah. So they came. They extracted information about how, how to grow. And they were a bit more, they saw the business. We didn't see the business like they did. Yeah. So if you talk to them, they'll take a lot of credit. A lot. Oh, we showed them how to grow. <laughs> oh, yeah, we showed them how to blow it up. Why? Oh, we dealt with helicopters. You're like, oh, yeah, you dealt with helicopters? I was running in the brush because I was scared. You're in the middle of your crop giving them the finger. There's a difference. Yeah. So they will, like, talk about how they showed us how to grow big, but whatever. They learned how to grow from us, and then they took it big. <laughs> so, you know, it's just all a bunch. I'm like, so, yeah. So then they came in, and they didn't have the issues we had with putting their plants out in the sun. And they were more than happy to give the helicopters the finger. And so... Because um, it wasn't, they were just making money, so they were like, fuck these helicopters. Yeah, it wasn't they their saw life. Well, and the they had rush. the medical, they, they had the medical backing so that they feel, felt a little bit more emboldened. They had protection. Yeah. Where we were too, we were scared. We were still scared, and we didn't understand how that protection, they, they showed us how it protected us. We didn't, I see. We, it took us, uh, like, we were three to four, maybe even five years behind putting our plants in the sun. Because of the years of yes, trauma. Yes, we could not believe. We, we were, we were well, like, we're talking, we're talking two ounce seed plants in the shade. And now you can go from a two ounce plant to a two pound plant. It's, it's a hard connection well, to make. it feels like a trick, too. Yeah. It, yes. When we I were understand even, that. That feels like a trick where all of a sudden you're like, hey, you can do this. You're like, nah, man, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was a little, you know, it was a little, yeah. Yeah. Because even yeah. just the transition from medical to rec, like we were talking about earlier, that's that was a hard transition in the mind of being like, oh, wait, this is cool now? This is okay? I can take pictures and post it on the internet? How the hell, you know? Oh, yeah, I went through a whole... That was like, the way I describe that, it's like a 180. Mm -hmm. It was literally, I felt like someone just held me up by my feet and just shook everything out of my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I felt. I was like, ah, I'm like losing. <laughs> put me down, put me down, put me down. <laughs> <laughs> and now we were talking earlier. You do a technique that I haven't actually heard of yet, which I'm very excited to hear about. Oh, the do nothing farming? Yeah. Technique. I'm that's, very interested in that. I that sounds want like, that. Sounds like my, do my nothing. kind of, uh, no. my kind of farming. Can no. I travel? Wait, now, now, please go on. Please tell our listeners about this do-nothing farming. Well, it comes from a little bit. I also have, like, a, a background in wine. Mm-hmm. And so... What do you... It, it, hold on. I have to do... the. You did some casual shit when you just <laughs> said... I had to... Because I have to just make sure... What is your background in wine? My background in wine? I brokered wine... And my palate is actually, my palate is Willamette Valley. That's where I got my palate, got it sense of place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know all the AVAs. I know okay. vintages from like 06 to about maybe 17, 18. 
That's what I thought. That's what I thought your quote-unquote background in wine was probably more extensive than, than you were letting on, just by the way you do everything. So, so go ahead. I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt, but yeah. I do want our listeners to know how badass you truly are. Oh, shit. And part of it is how casual you are about your life. So there's, okay. a, a, there's a couple other things Matt has told us that I'm going to ask after this because you haven't mentioned it, and it's really... The most impressive thing I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. So we'll get All to right. So, yeah, the, the do-nothing farming. It comes from that book, The One Straw Revolution. It's a, a Japanese farmer. His name is, I should know it off the top of my head, but I don't at the moment. I remember seeing that book when I was actually a little kid in the library because we have those kind of books in our library. I bet you I was going to say, like, your library <laughs> probably has different books than most yeah. libraries. Exactly. I would be like, this library is awesome. <laughs> I know. Someone's like... They should be teaching Howard Zinn. High schoolers should be reading Howard Zinn. I was like, yep, that was me. I read Howard Zinn in high school. <laughs> but anyway, so. Um, they would ruin their business <laughs> if they, yeah. Anyway, that's it. So the do-nothing farming, it's, it's a non-intervention style of farming. And it's letting nature, it's not that you're not doing anything. It's just that you're, you're, you want to let nature do as much work as possible. And have nature, because the idea is that I, as a person, as a human, um, I'm, I'm imperfect, but nature is perfect. Mm-hmm. So by letting nature do the work, you're letting nature have its per- be the per- perfectionist. And it's good at it. Exactly, exactly. So, so with that thought in mind, there, that, com- that also comes into the, the idea of terroir, which is the idea of terroir is a... The best way to describe it is that it is a sense of place, but your sense of place is constantly changing based upon community. And so you have a community in the soil, and you have have this micro community, and then you have this macro community, and it's how all those communities interact and cause changes in the landscape. And then, like, just, you, like, okay, one way to look at it is you could say, wow, you, you grow with these big old redwood trees around you and there's yeast on these redwoods and bacteria and this and that. And you think, you're, you're thinking like, wow, these redwood trees must really influence the terroir, the, the crop you're growing. Yeah. But then you could reverse that and say, well, actually, my, my little, little cannabis crop is actually affecting the redwoods. <laughs> and so like terroir, it's, you, you got to think it's really like balanced approach. You got to consider every single thing and all of its interactions. And that's what creates that sense of place. So by having a do-nothing farming approach and letting nature play its role, you're letting terroir come in. And it's also, this just speaks to my values, and it's it's a form of non-manipulation. You want to farm in a way where you're not trying to control, control, control. Oh, this is beautiful. So that's the way that I... I treat my plants kind of the way I want to be treated. Like I don't want to be controlled. Just let me do me. It's so it's no Buddha. time to it around like, here. It sounds like Buddha. Uh, Buddha taught farming. Um. Get out of your own way. I have. Yeah, get out of your own way. Exactly. Let I have so many. The, let the let the talent do the work. Yeah. I have so many questions in my head that are just being brought on through pure anxiety of do nothing. Yes, letting go of control is. Well, that's it your gives own shit. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm shit, saying. Well, I can tell it's you. A masa- I'm gonna yes. butcher the guy's name. <sighs> Here we go. The Japanese name. Yeah, I'm gonna let you do it. 
I'm gonna let you do it. Nobody wants Mo- to. Oh, I, I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I, 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 I jinxed everybody by saying Matt it's might m- be able to do it. Masanobu Fukuoko? Sure. Sure. I don't want to mess it up because I'm not gonna. I, I do have we'll we'll edit this all. <laughs> yeah, I mean the anxiety that I got letting go of control. It happened the first time I dry farmed. I literally had not been this scared since helicopters, which was actually a good feeling. <laughs> it felt good. To- <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> exactly. I'm scared again. I feel thing. Oh, anyone who saw me during that week after planning, oh, I was terrified, terrified. So. But I had to let go of control. Now it's like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to use water. I'm not going to be, like, giving them all these compost teas. What am I going to be doing? I'm not, no, there's no fertilizer. There's no, like, what am I? And I did kind of have a little, like, oh, my God. I'm letting go of control. And, um, but in the end, it turned out that it just suited me just fine. But I was really freaked out the first time I planted. And what's cool about it is that, again, I'm saying it's cool for your plants to suffer. Which is going to sound a little con contrarian but they don't all suffer there's you know there's different situations are better than others but these ones did suffer quite a bit and and during that suffering period it's really tempting to want to water them but you don't water them uh, being and a, being a parent is my hard. friend out my friend in shively bless her heart she she has dry farm medicinals, and she had me come and to see her plants at the very end of suffering so I would know the signs when the suffering's ending, which, thank God, she did. It really helped me, like, hold, hold strong through this whole thing. <laughs> and you see this little tiny bit of green growth, tiniest amount, and then you're like, whoo, okay, here they come, and then, the, you know, another week or two, and they're all flushed out and beautiful. But now they're living on their own resources. They're living by their own means, and in the end after that suffering's over, they're, like, so thankful. They're, like, oh, my God. And then they're, yeah, so they're... Look how strong I am, Mom. Look exactly. how strong. Oh. Exactly. So... It's so cool. Questions. <laughs> you don't water whatsoever. Uh, Mike's having a... Well, I'm, I'm just trying to follow a, up. He, okay, well, yeah, he's having a minor panic attack is what he's... <laughs> look well, how the, tense the, he is. The soil here... You know, it's not about the water going down to the roots. It's about the, the water coming up to the roots. Mm-hmm. So you're working with the soil capillaries. Ah. Now, because um, it's there. Yeah, like this is something that I, I want to change about dry farming. Right now, as regenerative as we want to think about dry farming, it's relying too much on tilling, a lot mm. of excessive tilling to, to keep those soil capillaries open. Yeah. So that's like something that I'm, I want to change. So, and then are you... How extensively are you doing nothing? Are you not topping? Are you not bending the plants, doing anything, thinning out, deleafing? Yeah, I'll do some thinning and pruning just because I, you know, it helps <clears throat> with the flower production. No. Just to do thinning for vigor and things like that. And I'll do some sprays, depending. I'll do, like, for bugs or for... Sometimes I'll put some uh, nutrients in a spray, depending on on the weather, if it's, like really cold i might need to add a little phosphorus to keep the, the energy going in the plant or mm. something and then so and it's just going straight into the ground yep yep and you some i mean i've put them in the ground and i mean one of the things you can do is you can like soak the root ball put that in the ground and there's some watering that does happen i've taken like clones right out of a tray didn't you i was like 
was like, no, I don't really feel like putting them into pots. I don't really feel like trying to find the space for them. I don't really want to take care of them and wait two weeks. I'm like, just put them in the ground right now. That's fine. That's just the way to do it. And did it do it? Did it work? Yeah, yeah. We watered them in two, maybe three times, and then they took. And you didn't water them again. So that's uh, my friend Andrew. Um, He had a plant one season. He called it his burn pile plant. He had a huge burn pile. He put a bunch of plants that had seeded out and everything else, and he set the the pile, burned it all up, and then the next spring, a little cannabis plant sprouted. Mm. And he was like, all right, I'm just going to watch it. I'm not going to fucking water it. I'm not going to do anything. Early on in the summer, it definitely was struggling. It was having a hard time. It wasn't watering it, doing anything. By the end of the season, it produced some great fucking weed and was delicious. He brought it in. We all smoked it. We were like, damn, this is pretty good. But he did nothing, did not touch See? it whatsoever. Nice. Nice. And it bothered Mike. It bothered Mike <laughs> the whole time. I just, I want to love like Lenny from Of Mice and Men and strangle. Even telling sometimes. the story, you can, he- I can, he- as your your pal, I could hear your anxiety tell the story. You're like, and then he didn't touch any of it any like, the whole of time. Like even when you said it was struggling, I could see you as like a dad just being like, ah, we need to help him. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I do believe cannabis to produce cannabinoids at different levels and resin at different levels based upon stress response that is something that i do believe goes into because i've grown Mm. cannabis to be the most healthy the entire way through nothing bad ever happens to it and it will test lower than the runs where i'm like oh shit i kind of fucked it up a little bit this time but only for like a week and then it ends up testing higher being more enjoyed by people so I think a little bit of stress in life isn't the worst. Well, that uh, makes yeah. you... That's a character thing. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. If Especially for cannabis, though. They like it. Stress? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's. I mean, on my farm, at least, like, just in terms of, like, how, how the work gets done, yeah, you want to keep down the negative stress, and you want to pump up the positive stress. Ah, there is positive stress. That's yes. A, it's called exercise, you guys. <laughs> you don't want to, like, not have any stress at all. You yeah. just want to keep it in the positive. What do, you, down the that's a good, what do you consider that's positive great. stress? For plants or just yeah, for... for the plants. Well, a positive stress would be the... Healthy when, debate. The no yeah. water, right? They have to get used to the that at first. Yeah. The, the wind sometimes can be a, a positive stress. Uh, sometimes the, the high humidity, as much as we don't like mold, the higher humidity does lend itself to terpene development. Mm-hmm. And what else would be a positive stress? Um, some some bugs, depending if you don't have too many in an infestation, a little bit of bug pressure is good. A little bit of mold pressure is mm-hmm. also good. You you know people get like ah they're freaking out because their buds molding, but actually a little bit of that that mold is actually adding a little bit of sweetness to your bud. And there's a ritualistic process to it too. The guy that I learned everything from, you know, I would freak out when I would see mold on his plants. So I was like, you want me to do something about it? And he's like, nah, that's nature's. They, they did half the work. They deserve it, too. You know, they can have it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I like that process. We're all part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was loading the ball. Uh, <laughs> 
the fruit loop the loop, loopy fruit is real nice and i was gonna i was going for a second um my okay and now i know i'll let you guys nerd out a little bit and then i'll let you calm my back in like a bad way like i use weird as a compliment and people need to get used to that like just weird unique if you want to use like it like whatever your synonym for that is like i loved it i think we just, saved it for later because we're just like i just it's like a it's like one of those puzzle pieces where like look at all these shapes where do we put it I mean, just as unique as her cannabis growing style is, just literally, you know, you even reference in the episode, my anxiety when she was just like, yep, we just put the plant out there. Oh, we don't do man. anything. We just let it do its thing. And it's like, wait, what? You do what? Huh? You don't? And it was, you could feel Mike just being like, Duh, but you, you don't do stuff to the thing. And you're just like, calm down, buddy. Yeah. Calm down. It's kind it of self-sufficient. Awesome. It'll do its own thing, which is check such a... her out. She got cool jars. I still have her jars, and her design was cool for the company. Uh, so check them out if you're around, because it was also I still have some of she. She gave us some of her smoke, um, and I. Uh, it smokes a little different than everything else too and not in a bad way just like in a noticeable like huh ah. as as we talked is. about it later it's the terror of it it's it is the terror the terror 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 sunshine thank you for having us on your farm we'll see you again i know it uh cornell said he knew her when he was like i was like oh we entered i ran into him i was like we interviewed uh sunshine he's like oh no her and her brother blah, blah blah i was like yeah yeah and he's like yeah they're cool and i was like man for place. wilderness it's so small and small major. everyone yeah everyone can holler through those trees i guess <laughs> you guys thank you so much uh the patreon is like we're popping seeds i that's my my soul is built it's happening you guys I, I posted some stuff on my instagram it's just fun i'm feeling the vibe i'm excited uh Mike's teaching us how to do some cool stuff and it's getting really he's he's done teaching us patience. Now we get to do stuff. It's the fun part of the boot camp in the in the monastery. So hit that up. Hit us up on Instagram. If you guys are interested in uh advertising, we are putting that together right now. So we are taking taking anyone and we've got different tiers. So hit us up. Especially if you're a cannabis company that is that's our market, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm, and they like uh, that. You did the uh, hand hey, thing. So <laughs> hit us up, grownlocalpod at gmail.com. You guys are the best. Thank you, Slee. Grow your own. Slee!